0: God, I'm just, I love the song that we just ended our time singing. And Lord, it's a song that doesn't ask you to fill this place with your spirit. It's a song that asks that you would help us to be more aware of your spirit. See, we don't need to ask your Holy Spirit to come into a place because your word tells us that he's here, that you're with us, that you're in us, And that, Lord, as we do things like we're about to do, as we open up your scripture and we read and we try to understand and apply it to our lives, your spirit is here and is helping us to understand, convicting us, encouraging us, building us up. And so, Lord, I pray this morning as we jump into your word that you would help us to be more aware of your presence here. That, Lord, as that still small voice in our ear begins to convict and encourage us, our hearts. As we read your scripture, Lord, we would listen. Lord, thanks that we get to open your word and we get to know who you are. And Lord, that we have this written down for us, so we don't have to guess. We can just read. And so, Lord, this morning, as we look into Ephesians 4, here's my prayer for us is, God, would you help us to reject the individualized Christianity of our day? And would you help us to joyfully pursue you, joy in you together? Help us to be convinced that we are better together and not on our own. We love you, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So... Today, if you didn't know, is Super Bowl Sunday. Um, After looking into the crowd, I'm going to be proposing to our elders a dress code change (laughs) for our church on Sunday mornings that certain attire is not appropriate. I also need to point out to you that the person who designs our bulletins has lost my trust. So if you see, there's a typo kind of near the bottom of the front. I don't know what that is. doesn't mean anything. You know, this is Redskins territory, okay? You know, so you don't, you don't come to church in eagle's attire. I'm just seeing too much green right now. Now, here's the thing. I am a Redskins fan. I, I'll admit that, and I'm a realistic Redskins fan. We're a very dysfunctional organization. Um. And so, you know, if think about tonight, well, I can't root for the Eagles because I'm a Redskins fan. I'm tired of the Patriots being there. You got to give respect to them. But, you know, I don't know really who to root for. So I know we have people coming to my house to watch the Super Bowl tonight. I think we'll be putting on the Puppy Bowl from Animal Planet because we have no one to root for. But here's the deal. In all seriousness, I can't believe I'm about to publicly admit what I'm about to admit. There is a cool story in this year's Super Bowl. Hey, put the phone down, Micah. There is a cool story in this year's Super Bowl, all right? And it's painful for me to say, but that story is the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm. All right, so if you could care less about sports, just hang with me here for a second. But here's the thing with the Eagles. The Eagles, did they, they got off to a great start in their season, started their season off 10 and one. Looked like they were gonna be an early favorite going into the playoffs, looked like they would be an early favorite hitting the Super Bowl, but then something happened. Some of us rejoiced. <laughs> their star quarterback went down, right? Blew out his knee. At the very end of the season, he was out, out for the rest of the season, out for the playoffs. So the Eagles ended their season 13-3 and three and got a first seed in the playoffs, going in number one. But everyone expected them to lose in the playoffs. Because they lost their star quarterback, even though they're the number one seed going in. But what happened? Unfortunately, they kept winning. (laughs) And they kept winning, not because their backup quarterback is as good as their star quarterback. No, they adjusted to the setback. They still found a way to win, right? So it is, it's a testament. I would admit, I'm a realistic fan. It's a testament to their health of their team, to their coaches, to their organization. Something we as Redskins fans will never see until we get new ownership. But what's my point? Here's my point. The Eagles didn't earn a spot in the Super Bowl because of one person. They earned a spot in the Super Bowl because of the strength of their team. You know, when we think about what it means to live our lives following Jesus, somehow and in some way, it has gotten cemented into our heads that the expectation on you as a Christian and the expectation on me as a Christian is that we would be strong, mature, individual Christians, MVP type Christians. That as a Christian, all by yourself, right? The expectation is that you would have complete knowledge of the Bible. That as a Christian, all by yourself, you should be able to fight all of your sinful temptations. That as a Christian, all by yourself, you should be able to face the doubts that hit your heart. Or you should be able to have the courage to share the hope in, within you to everyone that you know, all by yourself. And so it's like, who, who here is the MVP Christian, right? That can faithfully and consistently do all of these things all by themselves without wavering? Who can raise their hand to that question? Right? The Christian life is not meant to be lived out alone. The Christian life is meant to be lived on a team. And over the last several weeks, we've been in a sermon series called Called to Belong. It's a sermon series studying Ephesians chapter four. And in this series, we have been studying how every single follower of Jesus is called to belong to a local church. And as we've studied the first part of Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 10, what we have seen is that a biblically faithful local church is filled with all kinds of different people, but they're all committed to one another, not committed to an organization, not to a group of pastors. They're committed to one another, different backgrounds, different cultures, different gifts and abilities, And all of these people are unified together in what they believe about the gospel and the mission they have to proclaim the gospel. And so this morning, we're gonna press forward in Ephesians 4. We're gonna do verses 11 to 16. But in our text this morning, we're gonna discover that for us to live faithful lives as followers of Jesus, then we have to follow Jesus together as a team. So, If you have your Bibles, you can go to Ephesians 4. We've got a lot of scripture to kind of sort out, some things that we gotta explain. So we're gonna do some Bible study here for a few minutes. We're gonna dig in deep, make sure we understand what's going on in verses 11 to 16, and then we'll come back up and figure out what this means for us here at Grace Hill. So, all right, Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, we're gonna work through these verses. If you look at verse 11, you'll notice that it starts out and it says, and he gave. Okay, let me just explain. Let me get us caught up here. If you remember in verses seven to 10, we talked about this two weeks ago, Paul refers to how Jesus descended to the earth from heaven, became a human being, went to the cross, defeated our sin, resurrected from the dead, and ascended back into heaven. And as he ascended back into heaven, we learn that he gave out gifts to the people of the church, so that the church can fulfill its mission. And in verse 11, Paul begins by talking about one of those gifts that Jesus gives the church. And so it begins, verse 11, and Jesus gave, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. All right, let me just stop there. We'll hit verse 13 here in just a second. So in verse 11, we see that one of the gifts that Jesus gives his church is the leadership of the church. And he specifically lists out four roles or four offices, you could say, that he gives the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and shepherd teachers. All right, in your Bible, it might look like shepherds and teachers are two separate. The Greek construction helps us to see It's one officer, one role, the shepherd teacher. And so here's what I want you to know when it comes to these four different roles that we see here in verse 11 Is, is this, is that when Paul was writing this letter to the Ephesian church, this was like AD 60s in the 60s, okay? Not the 1960s, the 60s, all right? So this was written obviously before we had the New Testament, So the second half of your Bible, right? The reason why we know it was written before is because it's included in there, right? So it was literally being written as Paul was writing this letter. And so we didn't have the New Testament at that time. And so because God's written word as the New Testament is was not yet complete, what God did is he appointed certain leaders in the church who had specific gifts that enabled them to teach God's word even though they did not have the completed scriptures written down. Does that make sense? So God appointed apostles, all right? Apostles, very clearly defined in scripture as certain people that God appoints. And and one of the things that they all had in common was that they personally witnessed the risen Lord Jesus in the flesh. And then they were called, they were called by God to start the church. And some of them were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the New Testament, which is why we get the New Testament. So you have the apostles. Then you get prophets. Now, the prophets had a number of different roles throughout all of the eras of scripture. But in the early church, these were people who had an inspired ability to preach God's word, even though the New Testament wasn't written down. So they preached God's word under the authority of the apostles, even though they didn't have a written copy. Then you had the evangelist. Think of the evangelist as your missionaries that push the gospel into areas that the gospel has not been heard yet. And then you have the shepherd teacher. So think essentially pastors, elders of a local church who would take God's word as it was written and proclaimed by the apostles and prophets and teach it to their local congregations. All right, so what is different about our context today right here, 2018 and the context of the Ephesian church back in AD 60, right? It's this, we have this, this has been given to us. We have the completed scriptures, this is closed. Nothing will be added to it. Nothing should be taken out of it. So we have the New Testament written down. So we don't need today, we don't need apostles and prophets in the church to receive special revelation from God and then communicate that to the church. God has already delivered his word to us. Okay, so so quick caveat here. What I'm saying is I'm saying, that in the church today, we no longer have the role, the office of apostle or prophet, okay? Now, I believe God can give apostolic or prophetic gifts to people, but that's for a different sermon, but we no longer have those roles because we have the completed scriptures today. The church no longer needs apostles and prophets. And so then you can think of evangelists as our missionaries and church planners that take the gospel to places where the gospel has not been proclaimed, and then you have shepherd teachers who are the pastors of local churches. All right, so for our purposes today, Grace Hill Church, what does this mean for us? We can look at verse 11 and we can say that God gave Grace Hill Church pastor, elder teachers. Okay, that's what we see. And their job description is here in verse 12. They are to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of of Christ. All right, so that's the job of the pastors and teachers of churches. Our pastors and teachers here at Grace Hill is to equip the saints, so all of the followers of Jesus in the church, to do two things. For the work of ministry, so carrying out the mission of our church, we all have the responsibility to do that together, and then also to build up the body of Christ. That's something we all have the responsibility to do right? The pastors don't just carry the responsibility to build up the body of Christ. Everybody has that responsibility to build up the body of Christ. Okay, so let's go to verses 13 and 16, because Paul is then going to explain what the result will be inside the church if the church operates in this way, where the pastors equip and then all of the saints do the work of ministry and build the body up, all right? So if that happens, then we get verses 13 and 16. It says, "'Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, In love. So when the whole church is united together under the faithful leadership and and everyone sees their role in the ministry and is building up the body, you know, the body's joined together, it's working properly, every part is doing its role, then it says we grow in maturity, we grow in knowledge, we grow in Christ likeness. But the implication here is that if we don't live this Christian life on a team, joined together, right? But we do this on our own. We choose to live the Christian life apart from a properly functioning, faithful, Bible preaching local church. Then the opposite will result. The Scripture says we'll be like children, tossed to and fro by the waves, influenced by any teacher that comes along and is witty, is charismatic, has crafty and cunning things to say. We'll be easily deceived. You know, I must admit, I'm guilty of using craftiness on my own children. If I put a plate of green beans in front of my son and tell him to eat it, he's going to look at it and he's going to see something green on his plate and he's going to say, I don't like it. So sometimes I take advantage of his childlikeness and willingness to be tossed to and fro by the waves by every wind of doctrine. So I'll say something charismatically like this, Leland, do you know how strong you will get if you eat your green beans? he'll get excited and reluctantly take a green bean and put it in his mouth. And then Kim and I go, oh my gosh, look at your muscles, they're getting huge. And Leland will flex and then just devour his plate of green beans, right? Just every wind of doctrine, he just gets carried along into it. I'm not proud of it, but as parents, you guys know, you know. Listen, see, a child can be easily influenced if you're convincing enough, if you're excited enough, if you're charismatic enough, right? And without being joined in with the body of Christ in a properly functioning local church, we can be like children. This is really important for us to understand in our day and age. We live in a period of time where our access to books and articles and sermons and teachings and all different kinds of media is just unprecedented. Not to mention how easy it is for anyone to publish anything they want and distribute it for the masses to read. And there's a lot of good about that. But there's also a lot of bad, because it's not a question of if we've been exposed to false teaching that's tickled our ears. No, we have been exposed to false teaching that tickles our ears, teachers who sound convincing. And then couple this reality with the fact that we've, been, we've made Christianity this individual thing, a personal faith thing, not a team thing. And that has created a crisis of false teaching in the church. Many people have been led astray. It's also created a crisis in the church of people rejecting involvement in the church. And rather getting fed spiritually, they find other means to feed themselves spiritually. So they'll feed themselves through listening to sermons online or being a part of ministries outside of the local church. And none of those things are wrong. Sermons online are great. We put our sermons online. Ministries outside the local church, awesome. We're involved in those. The problem is that when it becomes the replacement for the local church. You know, I I saw this when I went to college. I went to a supposedly Bible college where I earned a degree in biblical studies. And, And many of the students, including myself, that went to this school grew up belonging to solid local churches when we were in high school where they were taught the faith. But then to our surprise, when we began attending our Bible classes, our professors were not teaching historic Orthodox doctrine and theology. And so I had professors who openly advocated tearing sections of the Bible out that were not they didn't agree with. I had professors who taught that it was preposterous to believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. I had one professor who said the cross of Jesus Christ was too violent for us to teach in our churches. There are many other things. And so you had all of these college students who were no longer attending the churches they grew up in. They hadn't gotten plugged into new churches when they were in college and they were being exposed to these teachings. And many of them fell for it. They heard this academic type Bible scholar spout off about how it was unintelligent to believe in the supernatural. And just like children, they were tossed to and fro in the waves. They had no one to guide them, just carried by every wind of doctrine. And they weren't part of a properly functioning church where they could wrestle with these claims. They could be encouraged in the faith. They could actually dialogue about their questions. They had space to doubt and they had people around them to help them in the midst of that. And so I still have friends from college to this day who were raised in the faith, but would call themselves atheists. They fell away. And here's the point. We are more mature together than on our own. We will grow in our faith. We will grow in our trust in Christ better together than in our own. It's exactly what verses 15 and 16 says. We are to grow up in every way into him who is ahead into Christ. We are to grow in Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body to the team together grow so that it builds itself up in love, right? You cannot expect to flourish in your relationship with Jesus all by yourself. It's just too dangerous out there. And we're not strong enough if we can admit it. And so here's what I want to do. We've looked at our text verses 11 to 16. And so what I want to do is I have three exhortations for us here at Grace Hill Church out of our text. Three things that we just need to be focused on and need to be culture builders in this church. So three exhortations. Here's the first one. The first one is this. Leaders equip the saints through the faithful ministry of the word. Leaders equip the saints through the faithful ministry of the word. When we look at verse 11, we see these four leaders that Paul mentions, you know, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, shepherd teachers And all of them, what they have in common is they play a role in the distribution of God's word. And so if the role of the shepherd teacher in this church is to equip the saints for the work of ministry and the building up of the body, then we do that through equipping through the faithful teaching and preaching of God's word. That's how we equip I mean, if we're going to set up this church to have success when it comes to not being tossed to and fro by the waves and just carried by every wind of doctrine or everywhere the culture goes, we just kind of get swept up and go with the culture in that direction. If we wanna protect our church from that, then we need to faithfully, skillfully, and boldly preach God's word. So this is why our Sunday morning sermons will always be anchored in a text of scripture because no one cares what I have to say. To be honest with you, we're here to figure out what God says. Now, God uses pastors and teachers to help exposit that, to bring that out, to teach it. But we're here to hear, to hear from God, not from me, not from others. I mean, so this is why I, we always encourage you to have your Bible in your lap or your app open or something, follow along on the screens so that as we're teaching, you can test what we're saying against what the Bible says, Right? So today, here's what I'm preaching. I'm preaching that we are more mature together and we're more like children on our own. And we might go, ooh, I don't like that. I don't don't like to hear that. But that's not my thought. I didn't come up with that. That's the Bible. That's Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. And so that's what we need to do in this church. It's imperative for the faithfulness and fruitfulness of Grace Hill Church that we never stray away from a high and robust view of the scriptures and our devotion to proclaiming them unapologetically, no matter what someone wants to say about them. So we stick to the scriptures. Exhortation two is this, the saints, so this is all of us, all of us, the saints must devote themselves to the work of ministry and the building of the body. We need to be devoted to that. See that as our role here. I mean, the Bible is clear that each and every person in the church has a role to play, gifts to exercise, a ministry to fulfill, a call, a responsibility to build up the body of Christ. So if Ephesians 4 is not clear enough for us, look at what Paul has to say in Romans chapter 12, verses four to eight. Look at this. Paul says this, "'For as in one body we have many members, "'and the members do not all have the same function.'" So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Look at this, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, right? He lists these examples. We've all been given these gifts. Let us use them. So we don't just have the opportunity to use our gifts for the work of ministry and the building up of the body of Christ in the church. We have been commanded to use them, exhorted to use them, And so you have a role to play in the ministry of this church and you have a role to play when it comes to building up this church. You know, as as God gifted you in just having an empathetic spirit about you and demeanor in a way with your words that when you talk to someone who's suffering or hurting or confused or anxious, you have a way of encouraging them, of reassuring them. If that's you, you need to use that gift here. Start doing it. You know, you don't need permission from us. Like use your gift in the church to encourage others. Do you have a love for studying scripture and you love getting into the weeds and studying the different words and getting into the context and all of that? Do you just love doing that? Grab two or three people who don't love doing that or just have a hard time doing that. Go get coffee every other week and study the Bible together. It doesn't need to be a church sanctioned thing. Just go study the scriptures together. Use your gift that God's given you. Has he given you the ability to lead organizations with vision and conviction? Let us know. We'd love to see how you can use your leadership in the church. I mean, has God given you a heart of compassion for the marginalized? And you just got all of these ideas of ways that we could serve people in our community and leverage the resources of this church to love those who don't have a lot. Well, then let us know. Let's, let's start putting our heads together and figuring out ways that this church can better serve our community. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. And so this is, this is exactly why we're doing the RED workshop. I know I've been pounding this every week, but this is why we're doing the RED workshop. RED is, is not about filling out the volunteer needs we have on Sunday mornings, right? That's really not what we're doing RED for. What RED is about is helping you discover how God has gifted you and figuring out how you can be used specifically in the work of ministry here at Grace Hill. We wanna equip you help you be leaders in this church so that we can begin doing more ministry here at Grace Hill. And so I hope and pray that all kinds of new initiatives start to get started out of red as we do these workshops. I hope new outreach focuses and ministries get born out of red and new discipleship ministries get born out of red, discipling men and women and families and youth and all of these things. I mean, I hope people are empowered to use their gifts and their passions starting with this workshop. This is just a catalyst, it's all it is. It's just a workshop, but it's to get things going. And so if you haven't signed up, we're real excited for it because we've got a lot of people signed up. I've been real encouraged by how many people are gonna be there. So if you haven't signed up for it yet, it starts next Sunday, February 11th, 4 to 6 p.m. And then we have another one on February 25th, uh, two different sessions there. So if you sign up, it's those two dates you can go to gracehillchurch.com red uh, to register for that. It's free. So if you haven't registered, please, I, I encourage you to be there. It's going to be, I think, uh, just really foundational to our church. Here's the third exhortation. And that's this, is that the saints, all of us, must be convinced that we're better together. We gotta be convinced that we're better together. I mean, when we look at our text today, we clearly see that growing in maturity, growing in Christ's likeness is done together. It's not done on your own. But you know what? I don't think our biggest hindrance to growing together is gonna be our unwillingness to give, to serve, to use our gifts. I think we'll do that. I think our biggest hindrance will be our reluctance to receive the ministry of our brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I, I personally need to be convinced that I need all of you to grow in Christ. And you personally need to be convinced that you need all of us to grow in Christ, to grow in maturity. And this is hard for us because again, we've bought into this idea that the expectation is that we live this thing out on our own without help. Right, This idea that the mark of maturity is the lack of a need of help. And let me tell you something, that is a lie. That is the lie of our culture, that the mark of maturity is a lack of need of help. And so where are you struggling? Are you struggling with doubt, wondering if this thing is even true? Are you struggling with studying the Bible and are you just bored by it? You're like, I have no idea where to start. I don't understand a thing. I just don't know. Are you struggling with praying and believing that God listens? Are you struggling with being faithful in the workplace? Struggling with anxiety? Struggling with having patience with your kids? Are you struggling with being a godly husband or being a godly wife? Are you struggling with temptation to look at stuff online that you shouldn't look for? Are you struggling with a silent secret addiction that nobody knows about? What is stopping you from receiving the ministry and the building up of your faith that can come from your brothers and sisters in Christ? I mean, I honestly think if we examine our hearts and we ask ourselves the question, what's stopping me from going to my brothers and sisters for help? I, I think the answer we find is, is it's usually pride or it's fear, right? It's, it could be pride. I don't wanna admit that I have weaknesses and I don't want other people to see that and I have to admit that I need help Okay, or it could be fear, right? Fear that if I go ask for help, I'm not gonna be met with help. I'm gonna be met with judgment, condemnation, disrespect. But this is the church we're talking about. I mean, good heavens, this is the church. I mean, what is the one thing we have all in common? I mean, the one thing we all have in common is we have all stood before God, guilty of our sin, deserving of his wrath, and he met us with grace. Grace. He sent his son Jesus to bleed on a cross for us. And if we place our faith in him, then we have our sins forgiven and we get his righteousness. And God calls us his children and vows to never cast us out of his presence again. We are all the same in our guilt before God and we're all the same as recipients of God's grace. We're children of grace. That's all we are. That's who our identity is. We have been given the grace of God. And so we're all the same, right? The church should be the last place where anyone would respond to a plea for help with judgment or condemnation. I pray that as Grace Hill grows and as we get more mature through the years that we just have a culture here of when people ask for help, They're not met with judgment and condemnation. They're met with help and encouragement and a family that will surround them and build them up. Right? We all have to be convinced that we need one another. Because we're better together, not on our own. And so I'm gonna pray. And would you would you just pray with me that Grace Hill, at Grace Hill, we would just reject our desire to be seen as strong individuals? You know, like, man, I have it all together myself, that we just reject that and that we would devote ourselves to being strong together as we follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, this morning, as we just Read your word. I I pray, Lord, that everything that was just said and Lord, this idea that you, you never asked us to be strong individuals. Even in creation, we are never meant to be left alone. This idea of us needing help is not a condition of the fall. It's a condition of our creation. It's how you designed us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would believe that and that in this church, we would be a team, Lord. That we wouldn't just be a bunch of individuals trying to show each other how much we've got it on, but Lord, that we would just be a team that helps each other follow Christ. That we would be a team that really cares about one another's joy in Christ. That, Lord, as 1 Corinthians 12 says, that when one rejoices here, Lord, we all rejoice and one suffers, we all mourn. And so, Father, I pray you just build this culture in our church. Lord, I pray, Father, that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be the foundation of that, that we're able to look past differences and quirks and things that frustrate us about one another because we're all the same in Christ and we can grow together. And so, Lord, I just pray that as this church continues on, that, Lord, you just give us the ability to be faithful and faithful to preach your word, and that you would unite us underneath your word, Lord. And, and Father, Lord, that we would just grow strong together as a church, and that we would see amazing things as people come to know Christ, as we reach this town, as we build one another up, as we wait for your return. We love you, Lord, and we just pray as we end this time now, singing to you, that You just be glorifying to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.